My dear brethren, I, the scriptures I'm going to use today, you're, I'm sure you all know them, and probably they have been mentioned during this feast, but like someone said, repetition is the best form of emphasis. We're here to have a vision strengthened in our hearts and our minds, a vision of a glorious time that is coming. And we are convinced of that. That's why we are here, that we have made preparations all year round to come here together to celebrate this amazing future as those that have faith, which it says is the certainty of things not seen and the hope of things that we all know are coming. My dear brethren, I would like to ask you today to start this review of the glorious time that are coming to the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai is the right before Zechariah, and Zechariah is right before Malachi, which is the last one who was quoted during the sermonette. And I want to thank Mr. Tom Wright for the special music, and Mr. Other Tom, my dear friend, for that sermonette. So let's go to the book of Haggai, my dear brethren, as an introduction to these glorious times that we are celebrating in advance. Uh, let's see. Haggai, let's go to chapter 2 and verse 6 of the book of Haggai. Chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. The old King James translates better, and I verify the grammar for the Hebrew, I'm not the Hebrew's expert, but I consulted the experts. And the old King James, the King James Version says, and they and the desire of all nations will come. The desire of all nations, Jesus Christ, even unconsciously, deep inside, people long for a time, somewhere, for a time of peace, for a ruler, a ruler that will be righteous, that corruption will not exist, that fairness will be there for everybody. We are now preparing for an election, brethren, in this country, which might be a dramatic chapter in the history of this nation. It might be. And people still have that hope inside. That's not people that don't like war. It's clearly spoken in some 120, I think. But most people inside, they dream of a time, and now we have in this pandemic, people speak often of coming back to normalcy, to normal life. But still that normal life is not as peaceful as deep inside people desire. And we know it is coming, brethren. They don't know 
because they don't know the true gospel unless they have been in contact with the work of God. But we are convinced that that time of peace is coming and the desire that is deep inside, even if people that don't know, they desire that. And Christ is coming. And He fulfilled the desire of all nations. And He will fulfill our desire. We that love His coming. Let's keep reading here. He says, uh, He says, once more, remember, He's mentioning here the, the signs of the beginning of the day of the Lord, when God will shape the nations and the world and the heavens. It will be a dramatic time that's been announced here in the book of Haggai, and that we know is coming soon. And then, let's continue. Again it says, I will shake heaven and earth, verse 6, the sea and dry land. It's going to be very dramatic, brethren, beyond what we can imagine. And I will shake all nations, and they, sh and they I will quote here the Old King James Version, and the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. What is that temple? We are that temple, brethren. It is declared very emphatically in many parts of the Bible, but we are the house of God, the church of the living God, and also the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, You are the temple of the living God. This is the type of ruler people want and they don't know. But we know he is coming and we are proclaiming him as the king of kings of that glorious time that is coming. So chapter 9 of the book of Isaiah and Leslie read chapter 9. And I mentioned to you verse 6. Okay. Chapter 9 and verse 6 of the book of Isaiah. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. The government, every human being in the depth of his heart. Even some are deceived. And those that do not like peace and insisting on wanting it will be eliminated from the face of the earth. We know that for a fact. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. He will be amazed. He will be amazed people by the things he will do. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, full of wisdom. We will ask counsel for him. As we rule the cities or the nations he wants, he will assign to us. We'll have him there instantly. We can come back to him as spirit beings. Mighty God. So Christ is God. That's the big stumbling block to many. Everlasting Father. This is an argument that some used to say, you see, there is only one person in the divinity, because Christ is an everlasting Father. They don't, they don't study what that means. 
That means he's the father of an everlasting era. He's the beginner. Like the angel said to Mary, he will sit in the throne of David and his kingdom will have no end. And he's the father of that era. For that doesn't mean he's the father in heaven. And there are many contexts in the Bible that explain that. That is a leg legitimate use of father in that sense. Or that do not identify him as God the father at all. Because we know that he's starting a kingdom that will have no end. And when someone generates something in the Hebrew, can be called a father. And he's the father of a new era. He's the founder of it. Because God the Father has appointed him to do so. And his name will be called Wonderful, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will have the power to impose peace. We'll see that scripture that you know. That will, no one can raise his hand against his neighbor or a nation against another nation. That will be the end of it. And he will have the power and we will have the power to make sure people will experience peace by force because they don't know how to walk in the way of peace. It has not been known to them. The Bible says that we'll teach them. We'll force them to live in peace. And as they experience it, they will love it. They say, this is what we want. This is what our desire. The desire of all nations to have peace. Which they have never known throughout history. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's why he's the father of an everlasting era. Upon the throne of David, and an over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. This is the desire of nations, brethren. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There is no power in the universe who will be able to impede or to keep God from doing what is written here is the Almighty. And we will be part of it if we do our part now, day by day. Let's continue in chapter 11 and we continue to see the description of the desire of all nations. What people want, they don't know it. But we have the privilege of announcing it to them with this work. Good news. What you desire deep inside, what you have dreamed about, is coming, and is coming soon. And God brings us here to revive that vision in our hearts and minds for a very important reason, because darkness is coming, tests are coming, and if we don't keep the mind on these things, we will not have the power to survive. I will say that to you later on. Well, let's look at chapter 11 of the book of Isaiah. And by the way, I, I forgot one part here. The reason is that the translations are, they change a little bit, but he will call wonderful because he will do wonders. Some of the wonders we can read 
uh, before we go to chapter 11, we can go to chapter 35 of the book of Isaiah. And this is the type of wonders that Christ will do. Let's read it. Chapter 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. Chapter 35. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. That's wonderful. That's why he is called wonderful. He will work great, amazing miracles, transforming the deserts into gardens full of flowers and trees and vegetation. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing, the breeze blowing in the branches. It's inspiring to hear the sound of the wind in the woods. And, uh, and that's the physical representation of God's spirit. It's the breeze and the wind, which is the same word in the Hebrew language. It has a physical and a spiritual meaning. Verse 2, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The cedars of Lebanon, magnificent trees. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The desire will come also with healing. Vengeance for those that have destroyed the earth and destroyed humanity almost, if it weren't for his intervention. Be strong. Behold, your God comes with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. You remember when John the Baptist was in prison and he knew his days were numbered. He sent two of his disciples to Jesus Christ. You find that in chapter 11 of the book of Matthew. I won't go there, but I mention it for the sake of time. And he asked, are you the one that was to come? Or shall we wait for another one? But Christ answered, Go and tell John what you see, what you hear. And he was quoting the wonders he will do, that he was doing in a small scale of the land of Israel, but that he will do when he comes at a worldwide scale. He was just showing a foretaste of the power he would display that will assume the government of this world. And it says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. 
Christ was quoting this to the disciples of John. He said, go and tell him, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing. The water shall burst forth in the wilderness. And he quoted until there because that's the type of miracles he was making right there in front of those disciples. Go and tell him what he was telling. When this is fulfilled, only the Messiah can perform it. And John knew those scriptures. They were written right here in Isaiah. Well, let's keep reading here to see the wonders he's going to do. That's what he's called wonderful. Then in verse in verse 6, the lamb shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. You know, they show it in small scale, like when Peter and John healed that man who was lame from birth. For the water shall burst forth in the wilderness. Like I said to you, that's going to be as he speaks, those things will happen. You've got a world ready take care of those that come with wounds and shaken by the day of the Lord and streams in the desert the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water the habitation of jackals you know the coyotes they live in the desert those are the jackals where each lay there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. He will renew the face of the earth, like is written in Psalm 04. He will revive all the fish that were dead. He will create them again. And that's true. When you read the book of Revelation, with the trumpets, one-third of the seas become blood. With the last plagues, the wall waters of the oceans become blood and every living creature dies. So he has to speak out and create again. Miraculously. He is wonderful. That's what desire of a nation is beyond their imagination. A highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it or shall be for for others, whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. There will not be a deceiver. The prince of the power of the air will be put underneath. It will be kept from deceiving again the world. So, it will be a triumph beyond description. Let's keep reading now on chapter 11. Just to review these things, we know all these things, but... It's good to review them and ask God, he always shows new aspects of his word. <clears throat> Chapter 11, let's continue to see the description of the desire of all nations. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, descendant of King David. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, how much we want, government, people that, rulers that have wisdom, 
Wisdom is the application of knowledge of the law of God. That's what wisdom is. If we know the law of God, we do apply it, we are fools. But we know the law of God, we apply it, we become wise. That's what Moses said to the people in Deuteronomy, I think it's 4 verse 5. This is your wisdom if you put it to work. All these statutes, people will say, this is a very wise nation. Remember that, that's in Deuteronomy. I won't go into all those scriptures because we have to continue here. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might. Every decision will be perfect. And we'll be there with him, and he will be there with us. And God is humble. You know, Christ said, learn from me who, are, who is humble, of a lowly spirit. And you see, even in the book of Kings, you know that God was in his throne, and the angels were millions on one side, millions on the other, and God was asking them for some advice. How we can have Ahab go against the Syrians. One said one thing, another one said another thing. When you read in the book of Daniel, <clears throat> the decision to turn Nebuchadnezzar into a beast for seven years, that decision was suggested by the vigilants, the watchers, which in the Aramaic language, that was that chapter written in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, means the angels. God probably asked his council of elders, the 24 elders that sit before his throne. It's just amazing, brethren, how the government of God works. God has a council of elders, 24. We have almost the same number down here. And we know he guides us from there for the decisions we make. Because this church is ruled with the fear of God, like David said. I went through the apostasy worldwide, brethren. I went through the disruption in global. God has taught me not to compromise one millimeter. And this church is being guided by the Almighty God, by His Spirit, brethren. Some still have not realized that. That shows a lack of discernment. The light of the lamp, the light of the body is the lamp, the eye. People do not discern this work and how this church is being guided by the Spirit of God. They lack oil in their lamps. They are foolish virgins. That's what it is. Their vision is not clear enough to discern the work of God when it's being done in an obvious way. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Like David says, if someone rules, let him rule in the fear of God. <clears throat> His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. We know that even in his earthly ministry, Christ knew what people were thinking. You know, Pharisees, when he said to that man, get up, take your your bed and go home. You know, he healed them in front of them. They were sitting there. They came all the way to Jerusalem because they were curious. They were sitting there, but ready to criticize. They started thinking, who is this man? When he said, 
your sins are forgiven. Pick up your bed and go home. They didn't say anything, but Christ said, What are you thinking? You don't think I have the power to forgive sins? Let this be a proof. Get up, take your bed and go home. He can heal diseases. He can heal us from our sins, my brethren. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. He will know exactly what's in the heart of everybody. The book of Proverbs says in chapter 15, he says, The seal and the Abaddon are before the Lord. That means what's underneath the earth. How much more the hearts of men. Even from there on the third heaven, God looks down and he knows what we're thinking. Even David says in Psalm 139, Before the word comes to my mouth, you already know it. God knows what we're going to say before we pronounced. That's the type of power he will have to judge what are the intentions of the heart of people. And he will give us that gift also. So we can rule with him in the fear of God. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He will care for those that are forgotten in these systems when the strength, when the, the law that still rules nature under, under curses, the, the law, the, the survivor are the stronger ones. They neglect the weak and they forget the weak. He will not do that. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Someone insists in following his old ways in front of all this testimony and that's possible there will be a lake of fire there. Like is written Isaiah 66. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. Remember the high priest who have a belt for the effort that represents righteousness. Because the laws are written right here. And the effort had a belt. But the tunic had another belt. There are two belts that are mentioned here. Look at this. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. <clears throat> That's when you read the priestly garments. <clears throat> chapter 28 and 29 of the book of Exodus. Chapter, I think, 8 of the book of Leviticus, you see that the effort is covered, this part of the high priest had a belt before the tunic was put over the whole thing. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. That means everything he does will be based on God's law, but also based on mercy and forgiveness and faith. Those dimensions that the Pharisees had forgotten or not taken into account will be very much part of his ruling. And faithfulness, the belt of his waist. You see there are two. Faithfulness, perfect loyalty to his father, to his law. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. You know when you read the book of Genesis, when God created everything and said everything is good, He said every creature will eat grass of the field. 
begins, say, the wolf would eat the lambs and the lions would kill the buffaloes and the antelopes. That's the earth under a curse. He will leave that curse when he comes. And most of those animals will perish during the day of the Lord. When you read the, um, the degree of destruction that is coming upon this earth, God is going to make it new. We have polluted this planet to the point where there are things that, especially plastic and many other products, that alter the hormonal equilibrium in the human body. So that the women become more like men and the men become more like women. Which is what the devil is doing to deceive this world. They are equal. You know, that's the might of Satan. God didn't make the one superior to the other. God made the man with a function and the woman with a function. And when they both fulfill their function, there is harmony. But when the idea, they say they are both equal, they disobey the order that God established. The head of the woman is the man. The head of the man is Christ. And the head of Christ is God the Father. When two wants to be the head, there is trouble. In the, in the home, in the city, in the country. You know where that comes from? The mind of the Satan, the devil. He was not begotten by the Spirit of God. He was created to be a servant to those that would inherit salvation. Like is written in the book of Hebrews. The function of the angels was not to be part of the same essence of God. Paul says, to whom of the angels God ever say, you are my son, I have begotten you. Satan was not begotten by the Spirit of God. He did not receive the very essence of the Father like we receive it. When we are baptized and receive that Holy Spirit, is the, the seed of God the Father. And the word for seed, you look in it, is the sperma, which will offend many people. God is reproducing himself, his very nature. And the devil wants to make the difference disappear. That's what he tried to do. He tried to not to assume the function that was given to him. And what did that create? Trouble. He created a rebellion of one third of the angels because he went for a function that he was not made to perform. He was not of the same species of God. He attempted to take the place of God. He's doing the same with society. Confusing people. They are all equal. When they don't understand there is a function for each one that produces harmony. When a husband loves his wife and the wife acknowledges him as her head and she submits, well, there is love. That's a great condition for men, which we have failed many ways to fulfill. And it creates harmony. And Christ will come to restore that. When you read, the work of the devil is confusion. When you read the book of Genesis, the first chapter, what God had to do, everything was mixed. There was no real light. There was no clear day. There was no clear night. And God had a function for the sun and the day, a function for the moon and the stars and the night. And he started putting order where he had created chaos, like he's doing it right now in society. We cannot be part of that. And then, 
the waters were mixed. The clouds were down upon the ocean and it was dark. It was no order, it's confusion. He mixes the things. That's the theory of evolution. All the species, they don't really come each one according to his species. They become another species. That's blasphemous from Mr. Darwin. Christ said he will one each one reproduce according to his own species and still happening before our eyes. The world is confused. The scientific world is confused. Christ will come to bring light. My dear brethren. And everything was confused in the book of Genesis when he started. That's the work of the devil. If he wants to confuse that the species, one become the other one, and that lost link has never been found. Not one single one when a species stopped being a species and became another one. There's no proof whatsoever of that. The basis of all that theory is faulty. It's false. And we still see monkeys continue to be monkeys, and they say that we come from the monkeys. How come? It has never happened. There's still men coming out of humankind and monkeys coming out of mon monkey kind. And people still believe that, they don't, they don't see the proof before their eyes. How come a chimpanzee has never gave birth to a baby? It's so obvious, brethren, that Paul says there is no excuse. Christ comes to bring light, spiritual light, and spiritual understanding to everybody of the truth, the real truth. Today, the world, the world is under curse. You see those videos of you see so many animals, and the most popular are the fights of animals. You know, the, the buffaloes fighting the lions, and even insects fighting each other, snakes fighting each other, or eating the babes of the antelopes. Or, it's a war. Everywhere is a war. It doesn't fit in the minds of people that that's a curse God produced, because man decided to go that way. The way of competition, the way of war, they don't know the way of peace. Christ will show there will be peace even among animals. And when you read, when he finished putting order, when he put the waters where they belong and the earth where they belong, and he created all these species, each one according to his own species, to his own kind. When he finished, he finished that, he saw it was very good. And he told them what their food will be. And he will come to restore that. It will be a very different world, brethren. But we have to fill ourselves with this vision. Because there is test coming for us. Maybe sooner than we think, my dear brethren. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leper shall lie down with the young goat. That's how he created them in the beginning. You study clearly in the book of Genesis, that was how it was. They all ate grass or plants, you know. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. What a beautiful picture of peace which we have in our logo, my dear brethren. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. People say, how can that be? Lions have, you know, this terrible, when they open their mouths, it's really scary. 
You think God is unable to change that? Well, maybe they will perish. How much is going to perish? You read the book of Zephaniah. God said, I will destroy the birds. I will destroy the animals. We know all the fish of the sea, of the sea will disappear, will die. It will be a problem for God. Speak out and create lions with teeth that can digest and eat grass. Is anything too difficult for God? How big is our God, brethren? That's how we learn here. When we have this vision, the nursing child shall play at the cobra hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the viper's den. They shall not, not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. And remember, book of Daniel, chapter 2, that stone hit the ten toes and destroyed the ten toes. That means all the human governments will be destroyed by the return of Christ. And he destroyed also the iron and the, and the, and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold. It was taken by the wind and disappeared. And that stone became a mountain that filled the whole world. A kingdom, one kingdom, the whole world, so there will be no corners in the world where animals will be eating each other, fighting. And we should be feeding ourselves with those videos. That's part of the world that has its days numbered. We should look forward to a better world that the desire of nations will do. For the earth shall be full of the waters of the sea, excuse me, verse 9, verse 9, they shall not hurt nor destroy in my, in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's read right now, let's go to, to Psalm 72 to see how the poor of the world will not be forgotten by Jesus Christ. One of the things he said to John the Baptist, to the disciples when they came to ask him, are you the one to come? Shall we wait another one? He mentioned the miracles that he was performing. And he also mentioned, and the good news is preached to the poor, to those that are neglected by society, to those that are forgotten. We see this nation, how riches become more and more in the hands of a few, how so many can barely make it day by day in this nation, brethren. They could do so much good with those fortunes, and God will make sure that won't happen again. It won't be socialism. It will be the system of God. Each one will have his own property. The land... And each one will be able to have beautiful dream life. Now that I mentioned that before I go to the poor, let's read Isaiah 32. You see, this is a beautiful, in verse 16, it says, chapter 32, verse 16. I'm just touching the surface of all these marvelous things, but that will help us to have that vision clearly between our eyes, so we don't neglect. We cannot go home and neglect what we've been given here. Sometimes we give so much food 
that we are filled with it, if we all go home and we don't do our work that we should do, to keep that fire burning always by continuing with the discipline of doing our daily sacrifice, morning and evening, burning our incense before God, putting oil in our lamps. If we neglect that, brethren, will be very dangerous. Chapter 32 of Isaiah, verse 16. The justice will dwell in the wilderness, as we say, will be a peaceful world without the prince of the power of the earth. Justice is all you commandments are justice, are righteousness. People will give rest to the land. They will obey the laws of God. When people give rest to the land, the divorce experience in Big Sandy when the church of God had a farm and they follow the rules and the laws of God. And the director of that farm was a good friend of mine, or he is a good friend of mine in those years. And he said, when we give the rest of the land, the next harvest that comes after the land rested for seven, for the seventh year, you will not get sick. You will come out strong. And the best we don't get to it. Now we're destroying the environment. All these pesticides and herbicides and poisons that we put on the plants that will end in our bodies, in the land, in the water, we degenerate this, this world. When people obey God's laws, there will be no need for that type of thing because the plants will come back strength, strong, because they have rest. They are living creatures. They need rest at least every six years, like we do it every six days. And there will be no sickness in the plants. There will be obedience. And that it says here, justice will dwell in the wilderness. There will not be this constant struggle, poisoning the land to be able to keep food, which in the end, little by little, poisons humanity. And I can say much more about that. That's the main root of cancer. Cancer, main cause is toxicity. So much stuff that is put in our, because food has been polluted. Because we don't obey those laws. In Christ, we have them obeyed. There will be harmony. There will be no need for all that industry. My dear brethren, a different world. The justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. Because they will be obeying the laws of God, paying their tithes, paying their offerings, giving rest to the land. The work of righteousness will be peace. And then he says, and the effect, there is a cause for every effect. What's the condition? And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Only the law of God, which will be the platform of God's government, the Ten Commandments, can produce peace. Constitution of this nation has some good aspects, but still is a mixture of good and evil that sooner or later produces death. God say, you take that tree of good and evil, you will die, because sooner or later evil will take over, and there will be so much evil that the good cannot stay, and the civilization disappears. No matter how good the laws are, if they are not based. They are not the commandments and the statutes and the judgments of God. They will perish. 
And that's what happens to civilizations all the way from Adam and Eve until today. They have come up, they flourish for a certain time, and they die. They are built upon the tree of good and evil. Only when society and a kingdom will be built upon the Ten Commandments, and we will have qualified to administer that government, it will stay forever. It's the only thing. You want to inherit eternal life? What did he say to the young man? Keep the commandments. That's the base for something to last forever. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. That's the desire of nation. No cry of war, no children going, young people going and being maimed and mutilated in wars that are useless. Did they exhaust in vain the power of this nation? How many years have this nation been in Afghanistan and in so many places? How many young people have perished or rather mutilated by those things? There will be no such, such thing. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. That's marvelous. That's what these people desire. Who desire to live in the country, in a nice place close to a river that is not polluted, because people will be using the laws of God. If they need to go to the hiking, they need to use the shovel and use the recycling plant that God put under our feet, the earth, recycle and not pollute the earth, and the waters will be clean. Just by putting God's laws to work. But the mind, the carnal mind, is enmity against it. That's what we have not, never seen, except in the days of King David, probably, of course, in some part of the kingdom of Solomon. Those rules ruled the world, and there was peace. Anyway, so many things. But let's look at the poor. Christ will take care of the poor. Of 72, Psalm 72, Psalm 72. <clears throat> Here it is. Psalm 72, let's start in verse 1. Give the king your judgments, O God. There you go. Give the king your judgments. That's what God is transferring to us right now as preparations. Judgments are the decisions that are taken in interpersonal relationships. The first four commandments are towards God. And the ramifications are the statutes that have to do with the feasts of God, that has to do, have to do with the worship of God. That's a whole study we could make. So the four first commandments are our devotion, obedience, our love to God. And the ramifications are called the statutes. The six last commandments are, you can tell, is the relationships between us, starting by honoring our father, our parents. 
And the ramifications are the judgments, are the decisions that are taken. Of course, always taking into account special cases where mercy applies. They give the king your judgments of God. That means to be able to solve problems between people and nations. And your righteousness to the king's son. If he doesn't practice it, he cannot administer if we are sons of the king. It applies to us. He will judge your people with righteousness. Which is righteousness, all your commandments are righteousness. That's how King David ruled. And your poor with justice. There it goes. The poor with justice. They will be the center of the attention of the government of Jesus Christ. We're going to see demonstrated in this psalm, which is a millennial psalm. The mountains will bring peace to the people. What are the mountains? The kingdoms. Christ is the king of kings. And the mountains will bring peace to the people. Why? Because they will administer the government of God based on the Ten Commandments. With the ramifications of the statutes from the first four and the judgment for the last five. The mountains will bring peace to the people. The rulers, we have to be examples. Me, that were proven by God right now. And they qualify to administer justice because they practice it now. The judgment starts by the house of God, which we are. We come here to be conscious of the fact we cannot waste time. We, this is our time to become righteous with the help of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus Christ, of course. The mountains will bring peace to the people. We have to be instruments of peace in our homes, in our work, wherever we are. And the little hills by, by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor. Again, he will not neglect. He said to John the Baptist, the gospel, the good news had preached to the poor. Why? Because the king of kings will take care of the poor. It will be his main interest. We're going to see it in this song. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. It's three times that are mentioned here. And will break in pieces the oppressor. He will, not, he will not allow anyone to exploit anyone. That will be fairness. They, are shall, they shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure. That means <clears throat> all the time of the millennium, all the time of the the judgment of the white throne until the new heavens and the new earth when New Jerusalem will come and there will be no need of a sun, no need of a moon light because God will be the light of the Father and Jesus Christ throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mountain grass, like showers that water the earth. His days, in his days, the righteous shall flourish, an abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of, of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Sheba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings 
shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him for... Why is the reason they will have such respect for him? Probably because they neglected something and they see him doing it, it is answered right here. You know, all the nations shall serve him for he will deliver the needy when he cries. That's what nations have neglected. And he will deliver the needy when he cries. The poor also, here goes again, about seven times already. And him who has no helper, no money to pay a lawyer, no money to bribe a judge, Christ will take care of them. That's our world. He will spare the poor and needy again. And will save the souls of the needy. About ten times he's mentioned this brethren. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence. And precious shall be their blood in his sight. And he shall live and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually. And his praise. And daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth. On the top of the mountains its fruit shall wave like Lebanon. What does this mean? You know what erosion is? You know God will transform the face of the earth. He will lower the mountains. He will raise the valleys. That has a physical and a spiritual meaning. Those that are haughty will be humbled on the day of the earth. Those that are humble will be exalted. That's the full principle of God's government. But also, the mountains are too high. They will be lowered. I've been in the highest city on earth. You can tell the effects of the lack of oxygen when you are 14,500 feet upon sea level. People living there. We have brethren there. It's terrible, brethren. Dr. Wene was there with us and he got sick. I got sick the fourth time I got there. The first time I didn't, but the fourth time God was showing me, you are growing up in age, my friend. <laughs> you shouldn't be around here anymore. <laughs> but if I have a chance to go back, I will go back there for the sake of our brethren. So those mountains will be lower. And the amazing thing is that the, the grain will be noisy. That means the harvest on the top of the mountains, Christ is written in Psalm 104, he will renew the face of the earth. So in the top of the mountains where there is no vegetation will be renewed miraculously by the word of God and it will be productive land, the top of the mountains. They will not disappear completely because they make part of the beauty of God's creation, of the earth. The earth will not be just flat, but even the mountains will be on the top, the erosion will disappear because that veget vegetation, the cover of the layer for productivity will be created by the word of the word of God. Just by speaking, you will renew the, the earth. And those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him all nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, 
only those wondrous things. And then he says, And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. That's the desire of nations. That was coming soon. That we will witness to endure until the end. There are so many other things to say. Let's read one more in Isaiah, which is most futuristic of the books of the Bible about the kingdom of God. In chapter 25 of Isaiah, in verse 6, know the wonderful things that the desire of all nations will do. Chapter 25, in verse 6. 25 of Isaiah, verse 6. And in this mountain, that means the headquarters of his kingdom, Jerusalem, which will be exalted, will be on the top of a mountain, will be transformation just amazing in a matter of instance. Remember, Christ will stand upon the Mount of Olives and will be divided in two, and a great valley will be in the middle. So, we are going to see amazing things. He is wonderful. Chapter 10, 25, verse 6 of the book of Isaiah. And in this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces. They will be all invited to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Probably, as we say, every nation will have to send their representatives to keep the Feast of Tabernacles in person with Jesus Christ. They will see him in person. It's going to be an amazing thing. Not with his glory. But he will appear to them like he appeared after being resurrected to the apostles. Not with his glory. For he was already spirit being. So he will, we will see him in his glory as we are, we have, will shine like him too. Not with the same power. But, and in this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people. You remember the very famous scripture in Zechariah 14? Every nation will have to go and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. A feast of choice pieces. A feast of wines and leaves. Of fat things full of marrow. Of well-refined wines on the leaves. And he will destroy this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. Wow. Remember chapter 2 of Isaiah? I might not have time to read it, but all nations will come. Let's read it, brethren. It's just amazing. This is the centerpiece of the Feast of Tabernacles. Chapter 2 of Isaiah, which fits perfectly with this scripture and people will come up to Jerusalem and they will receive personal instruction from Jesus Christ and us that will be there with him as one with him <clears throat> chapter 2 of the book of Isaiah the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, you know what's the house of the Lord? 
If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, you, you encounter the definition of the house of the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, let the Bible interpret itself. It says, Paul writing to Timothy says, But if I delay, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. If the Bible interprets itself, let's read it right here in Isaiah. What is he saying? Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house. You can put it there. The mountain is the kingdom of the church of the living God. That's what it means. It's speaking to us right now here. Will be a special part of that government as the wife of Christ, the help meet that will govern with him the whole world, and then the universe. The mountain of the Lord's house, First Timothy 3.15 tells you it is the living church of God. All the church, the churches of God that will be united only after the great tribulation, brethren. The fire has purified us, if we are not counted worthy to escape. God will still give a chance those that are not ready. And at the sound of the seventh trumpet, the church will be united. Not before. Some people dream of it because they don't understand the scripture. There is a prophecy about church eras. We see it right now around us. We see attitudes of people that should be here and are not here anymore in the question of weeks. Why are they separated? Because they are church eras. They have chosen to be part of another era by that decision. They are still our brethren. We should never forget that. That decision has made them part of another group. And you know which one is. Lack of discernment. Blindness. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, of the church of God, who is being prepared right now to sit in thrones, shall be established on the top of the mountains, will rule the whole world, and shall be exalted above hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house. That's the wife of Christ. We, brethren, the living church of God, the house of the God of Jacob, that he will have filled with glory at the sound of the seventh trumpet. He will teach us his ways. So we better be learning now and putting them to work now. And we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, the Ten Commandments, with the ramifications of the first four, the statutes of the last six, the judgments. And the word of the Lord 
from Jerusalem. He, he has judged between the nations and shall rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's our glorious future, dear brethren, to rule the world. God has brought us here to revive that vision and not neglect it when we go home. We should keep putting the oil day by day, which is the word of God. Christ said, the word that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. And David says, a lamp to my path is your word. If we neglect feeding ourselves because we don't live just by bread, if we neglect feeding ourselves, we'll become foolish virgins without much discernment. And we have to be prepared day by day and go home, take what we have, put it to work, and know that we have to sow that seed so that it produces fruit of growth for the next feast. We have to go back to work. That's why the early rain comes after the feast to soften the ground for the seed to be planted in physical Israel. Now for us, spiritual Israel, probably the last great day there will be rain. That will remind us, go home and don't sit down around and be a couch potato and neglect your preparation to rule with Christ. Keep fasting frequently. Studying the book day by day, praying, meditating, and putting it to work. Because we have a kingdom that is coming soon, brethren. And why does God allow us to have this stirring up of the fire at the feast? Stir up the vision of what's coming? Let's read it in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, here is the reason. <clears throat> there are tests coming. It's not maybe, it is written, it's prophesied. Even those that will be judged worthy to escape, they will not be taken just suddenly from where we are and taken to a place of safety. There will be a persecution going on we made a Bible study for 75 days to those that are counted worthy to escape. That's the last filter God will use to know if we really want to save our own skin or we are ready to whatever for the kingdom of God. We will not escape persecution. And after that is the beginning of the 1260 days, which is the great tribulation and it's the beginning of the period of the safety in the place of safety for those that passed that filter. We'll, we'll be persecuted before the rest of the brethren are persecuted. That counts 1,335 days. That's what Prophet Daniel, that Mr. Armstrong explained that way. I consulted Mr. Ames. He said, does that mean the persecution for those that will be protected starts 1,335 days before the return of Christ. Why does Daniel say that in chapter 12? You have read it. 
Happy is he who endures and stays 1,335 days. Because when that persecution starts, maybe with the appearance of the false prophet, and bringing fire down from heaven, a persecution will start because the devil will have been cast to the earth. And he will persecute the woman like is written in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. He will start with us. We are publishing the good news of this kingdom which we are being read here. And there will be a famine of the word of God. And if we endure that persecution, if we don't betray this way of life out of fear because we are not connected with God, we'll enter to a place of safety and the protection will last 1,260 days. So we'll complete 1,335 when the seventh trumpet sounds. I hope you understand what I'm trying to convey to you. At the time, those that are protected will come, will be when the devil sees there is nothing he can do, he will turn against the rest of the offspring of the woman. That means the church of God for times and time and half a time, like is written in chapter 7 of the book of Daniel. They will be delivered into the hands of the beast and the false prophet for three and a half years. At the end of that, the seventh trumpet will sound and the church will be ready to be the wife of Christ and to rule the world. So we are being brought here now to keep this vision clear and not neglect it and be diligent and not lazy, brethren. I say that for myself. Therefore, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, verse 1. Therefore, we also see great clouds of witnesses. That means all those that he mentioned, the heroes of faith and the women that were heroes of faith in chapter 11. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily snares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the tests are coming, brethren. We better be ready. Be sure they will come. They are written down. If we, we have a saying in Spanish, an announced war will not kill a sailor, a, a, a soldier. And if you know that where the enemy is coming, you will be prepared. God is saying, you know, there will be a persecution, there will be a test upon the, the church of God, specifically to start the living church of God. We better be ready. God will test the hearts. Chapter 17 of the book of Proverbs. It says the cruce, crucible for the gold, you know, and I know it in Spanish, I don't remember exactly what it's in English. You look for there, the silver and the gold are tested by fire, and gold will test us by fire. So, we continue. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, which we have been looking today, the desire of all nations. We have that vision of the wonderful things that we don't have time to explain all of what he's going to do. Wonderful, and we'll be there working with him 
the house of God that people will look. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, we come here to rejoice. We come here to see that future glorious time, and God command us to rejoice with that vision and the fruit of the Spirit that we should have grown, because one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. If we are growing in grace and knowledge, every feast should be more joyous than the one before, because we have more the Holy Spirit, and we are bringing fruit to God, not just the physical offering, but the spiritual fruit of the work we have done during the year to come to present ourselves before God. And he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, when we remember all these prophecies, the joys that are waiting for us, he says, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ says to the churches, which each one of the exhortations of the seven eras apply to each one of the churches, the Spirit speaks to all the churches, he says, those that overcome will sit in my throne and rule with me as I sat in the throne of my Father. So he's coming down and he's preparing those thrones for us to rule with him, but we have to keep like him. Because of the joy put before him, even hanging on the cross, he was able to endure it. We will be able to endure the tests if we have a clear vision of the glories to come. And that will be the fruit of hard work, spiritual work day by day. Otherwise, we will not have that vision. That fire has to be stirred up every day. May God bless you, brethren. And let us be together all the way to the end. Have a wonderful rest of the feast.